I want to spend some time this morning looking at dreams. The bulk of this I'd put together a couple weeks ago, and uh, twice this week I had situations where people are either telling me about dreams that they had had or asking me about that and had no clue what Kurt was going to share on this morning. But uh, I want to just, I think, at least for me, there was a long season where I didn't even know that Christians could have dreams that were impactful or even should be considered. Um, the first spiritual dream that I note in regard to my life came while I was in college. Um, I woke up one morning after a very vivid dream, and I was speaking in tongues and crying. And I'm going, what is going on with me? Am I falling apart? And uh, talked to my roommate about it, who wasn't a particularly godly kid, but he's going, you better pray about this thing. You know? That was the first piece of wisdom, but the dream for me uh, had a friend named George who had, uh, I met in prison, who had come to the Lord, and I was apologizing for not getting to him before he had to do prison time. And he's saying, no, God's taking care of this. And uh, George, in my life, was a, um, a kid that I'd grown up with at least till sixth grade. I, I lived on the edge of an Indian reservation, and I was the only white kid on the bus. And so every year, uh, even though we were friends, we had to fight to see who was stronger. And, of course, if I won that round, then I got Bruce. And if I won that, then I got Ralph the next, you know, a year each time. So it wasn't a fully win situation no matter what. But uh, that said, most of the time we were good friends. But we lost track of each other in about sixth grade when I moved into town. And I really hadn't had much in the way of conversations with him for many years. And so to have a, a vivid dream, you just kind of go, what is going on here and why? You know, I haven't thought of this guy in years, and suddenly it's there. I'm still praying into that dream. I don't know the full implications of it. Uh, there was a season of my life where I did a lot of prison ministry. Uh, haven't had that in recent years. Um, and, um, you know, just as far as relationships with Native Americans, I have a few, but not a lot. You know, it's just, I, I'm not sure. But at the same time, I, I refuse to see it as anything but a spiritual dream. And so it's like one of those... One of those things that clued me in that maybe God speaks to us this way even in this day. So what I want to do is, is walk through this second chapter of Daniel briefly. I want to note some of the Old Testament and New Testament passages connected with dreams. And then just um, acknowledge that maybe that's what God, how he wants to speak to us, but also use us in helping others interpret what goes on in their lives. So, back to um, Daniel and his friends, as we went through a couple weeks ago, they had gone through an incredible, awful experience, where their city had been conquered, they had been hauled off, um, they would have been abused, there would have been a number of things taking place, but a few of them were selected to be brought into the king's court and trained to be servants in that court. Daniel and his friends were part of that group. 
they committed themselves to living godly even in a foreign land that had conquered them and had, in a sense, it was almost if you compare a battle of the gods, it appears their god had lost, right? And so they, they have this question point. Do we continue in this faith that seemingly had no impact on our, our national setting in this moment, even though it had been prophesied for years that this was going to take place? So that said, I want to read Psalm 137 because it kind of gives us the mindset and, and the despair that some of the people were feeling of that day. By the waters of Babylon, there we sat and wept. When we remembered Zion, on the willows there we hung our layers. Uh, took their musical instruments, hung them on the willows. I don't know the full significance of that. I do know that there's a tree called the weeping willow. And maybe it was kind of that association with the, the despair of the day. But they're just saying this was a horrible time for us. From there our captors required of us songs. And our tormentors, Mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? In other words, you know, you had happy songs, make us feel happy. Sing for us. Dance the dance. Sing the tune. And, and they're going, how can, how can we be joyful in this? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. Let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I don't remember you. If I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. If I try to find joy apart from you, if I let it diminish in its preciousness in any way, just let me forget music altogether. Remember, O oh Lord, against the Edomites, the day of Jerusalem, how they said, lay it bare, lay it bare, down to its foundations. That was one of the surrounding nations. And then Babylon, doomed to be destroyed, blessed shall be who repays you what you've done to us. Blessed be he who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. Not politically correct speech for our day, but it does push across the emotion that they were feeling, right? So that's a setting that they, in a sense, are living in, and yet they choose to live faithfully unto the Lord. They choose to continue in the belief of the God of Jerusalem and of their people. So that said, they, they go through this testing as we saw in chapter 1. And then it says at the end of that chapter, for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So God rewarded them in the setting of their captivity with this blessing of understanding and wisdom. And so he's allowing them to, ex to excel even in a very bad situation. Chapter 2 gives one of the illustrations of the dreams that Daniel ends up interpreting. And so it says that Nebuchadnezzar in his second year has a dream. And uh, so we recognize that early in his reign, this is taking place. And he goes through an, an amazing thing. Uh, he tells the, the, the wise men and enchanters and all the rest, all the people that are supposed to know, he says, tell me what my dream was and interpret it for me. And they're going, well, tell us what the dream was and we'll interpret it. 
He's going, no, no, you're just trying to buy time and you're, you're you know, you'll misuse this. Tell me my dream or I'll kill you. And of course, they're not, <laughs> who has the right to say that except the king? And he had the authority. And so what takes place is that he begins to send out his, his chiefs to <laughs> kill all the wise men because they haven't figured out what the dream was and much less interpreted it. Um, that would make all of us nervous. You know, it, it's an impossible situation except for God. That's what we're to, to see out of this particular picture. And Daniel says, in God, this is possible. And God does give him the dream interpretation. Tells him the dream and interprets. So he says, blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is darkness and light dwells with him. Thanks are made known to the king's matters. In Old Testament times, there are several settings where God uses his people to interpret other people's dreams. Or he speaks to foreign rulers and kings through dreams. And I think what we need to note is that God can get to us any way he wants to. And oftentimes, the way I look at it is when you, when you go to sleep, it's like free thing because there's no distraction or associations that have a right to break in except that God chooses to say, okay, we're talking now. You don't, you don't get to pick the agenda. You don't get to be distracted. You don't have all these other things going on. You know, what's coming in through your eyesight, what's coming in through your hearing, what's coming in through all these other senses, yeah. Forget it. Here we're going to deal with some things. It was interesting in, in the book of Genesis, uh, Abimelech, a man that Abraham had sought uh, security under, has a dream, and, and God tells him, uh, you've taken Abraham's wife and brought her into your household. I'm going to kill you. He goes, but I didn't know she was his wife. He said she was his sister. Yeah, that's why I'm warning you. And, and so... And God takes him and has Abraham pray for the guy's blessing and healing. But it's, it's one of those things where you're looking and going, this guy isn't living perfect. You know, Abraham lied and got into this situation. But God still is noting there's a stamp on his life that this foreign king needs to be aware of. It's a powerful story in that you know, to, for us, you know, to say, well, you know, if I was a little more spiritual, then I might have a spiritual dream. Or if I was a little more spiritual, maybe God would. In this case, Abraham's messed up, and God still is putting his mark on him. It's kind of the same thing when Laban has a dream in regard to Jacob. Jacob himself had several dreams. He dreamed of the stairway to heaven, even though he's running away from home because he's lied and stolen from his brother. And then later on in Laban's household, he has a dream about the goats and, and it 
brings some great wealth, but he, he's running away from Laban. And uh, Laban has his dream and says, you better not talk bad to this guy. <laughs> and so when they meet the next day, Laban's going, there's a lot I'd like to say, but I can't. God warned me last night about you. And so they part ways, but it's one of those moments where you're going, Jacob still hasn't really figured it out. He's not living completely righteous, but he still has God's stamp on his life. And God's speaking to another about him. So in that, when Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, it shouldn't be all that surprising to us that uh, a, a man who makes no profession of faith in God is suddenly brought into an awareness of who God is by one of his believers. And the revelation comes forth. Before I go on, and I was going to do this later, but why shouldn't it be that part of your witness to others regarding Christ would be helping them with dreams? I mean, if we're, if we're walking through these stories and we see it's happened, why are they in the Scripture? What's the value? I, I mean, we're all about getting interpretations for ourselves, right? Not a dream. What's it mean? But, you know, maybe if we were looking outward and you start hearing things and somebody comes to you and says, I was kind of freaked out by a dream last night. Oh, yeah? What was it? Maybe... God would give an interpretation. I mean, is the door open in your thinking to such a thing? That's what was taking place in this story anyway. So, anyway, um, Daniel tells him, he says, God who reveals mysteries is the one who reveals this. He says, I can't do this on my own. It's not native intelligence. It's not, you know, just a a heightened awareness inside of me. He's saying, this is God who did this. This isn't maximizing your own inner potential. This is, this is outside that box. This is the God of all ages who controls and sets up kings and deposes others, who has the authority to say things. This is the one who's bringing this insight. And so he, he, he says, your dream was of this image, this terrifying image of a person whose head was gold, whose shoulder and arms were silver, whose middle and, and thighs were bronze, and then iron legs and, and feet of iron and clay. And he says it's representing kingdoms that are to come, that are and are to come. And uh, so he walks through that, and then he says there's a stone that demolishes it all that wipes out all of those, and yet it grows and grows and grows forever. And, and so he's saying, these earthly kingdoms are going to rise and fall, but there's coming an eternal kingdom that's going to live forever. So he, he's just putting out and said, this is what your dream was about. And, and the king responds and says, your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. That's the reason you're able to understand this. 
And it says he gave Daniel high honors and many gifts and made him a ruler over the province of Babylon, and chief of the wise men. So he elevates Daniel in this place, but again, there's a recognition of God's hand in an ungodly kingdom in a desperate situation used by the Lord for his good and his glory. Uh, the king also, or Daniel, makes a request for his friends and they get exalted as well. Um, let's go on. In the Old Testament, you know, you had Jacob's dreams. He dreamed that he'd be ruler over his family. It, it came through stars, the sun and moon, and then the sheaves of grain. And it, it upset his family a great deal enough so that his brother sold him into slavery. And I guess what we have to recognize, if God gives a dream, it doesn't matter what others do, whether they embrace it or not. In fact, they can actually work against that thing, and it doesn't have anything to do with whether God will fulfill it or not, that he actually uses those things. You know, we get in a situation where if they don't talk nice to me, God's word is going to be destroyed, right? You know? That's how, how fickle we are, you know, where it's kind of like if they didn't smile at me today, you know, how am I going to accomplish God's work? <laughs> you poor soul, you know. This guy was sold into slavery because some of the brothers said, let's kill him, but others going, we can make money off of this. They had no interest in his well-being or, or fulfilling the dreams, and yet God still saw it through. And then later on, you have uh, Jacob, who, or Joseph, excuse me, who's thrown in jail inappropriately, but then he interprets dreams for a baker and a cupbearer, and eventually it comes back where he, Pharaoh has a dream, and Joseph is thrown into the spotlight. So all of that said, this man who, who had an early dream as a kid, many years later is seeing God's work fulfilled. He is causing the greatness of our God to be declared to a foreign and pagan king. He's brought into prominence to play a specific role for that day and to deliver many, many people. So again... It, it, you know, we, it's one thing for us to embrace that God does speak through dreams. But there are times we have to get our attention off of ourselves and go, this is bigger than just me. This is in regard to the kingdom of God. And if I really want to be used of God and see him work through me in everything possible, then it isn't just saying, please give me dreams because I want to have one more thing on my shelf that, you know, he prophesied here, he did a dream here, and he, you know, he had faith for this. You know, it's not about building up our own credentials, but it's, it's allowing the kingdom of God to go forward. And if we'll put that in mind, there are times when he uses even things like dreams. Okay. Uh, there are a few more things I want to note. In Deuteronomy, uh, Moses offers a warning. He says, you know, if somebody has a dream or gives a word and it comes true, that isn't enough for them to say, okay, but now we just step away from God because he's not needed anymore. He said that's more like a test. And he says, you need to, to cut that person off. 
So he's, in a sense, there's a supernatural occurrence that gets taken into a profane direction. He said, you've got to learn to discern the difference. So again, not every dream is a good dream, right? Not everything that you hear is treated as with significance in the Lord of saying, this is separation. That's why we invest ourselves into the scripture, and that's why we keep going back to it and say, what are the principles laid down here? Because God is not going to violate himself in this. And he's not going to bring dreams that de defy the scripture. That's, that's not where this is going. So that's a warning that he gives. Uh, Ecclesiastes makes a comment. He says, when, for when dreams increase and words grow many, there's vanity. There's a uselessness to just multiple dreams and dreams. You know, not every dream is a spiritual dream. Okay, so again, there's that discerning that needs to take place and saying, you know, that was just a weird thing. <laughs> Or maybe you're walking through something and you're just interpreting the events of the day. It's not necessarily a, a spiritual label connected to that. Uh, in fact, uh, in Isaiah, he makes comment of a, a hungry man that has a dream about hunger, you know, or eating. And he says when he wakes up, he's still hungry. You know, when he's thirsty and he's, he's going on in this dream and and he's drinking great deals of water, and he wakes up, he's still thirsty. You know, there's an interactiveness within our lives that kind of works through things in, in that. And he says, again, that's, that's not the same as, as God speaking a specific word that directs us. You can wake up and say, yeah, I'm thirsty. My dream told me I'm thirsty. Or, you know. Well, good for you, but, <laughs> you know, don't... What I'm saying is don't turn it all into the goofiness. Jeremiah and Zechariah both speak against false dreams or lying dreams. New Testament, for just a bit. Acts 2, remember the outpouring on Pentecost? Joel's quoted, and what's the quote? Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. So he's bringing that into a New Testament setting and saying that's a part of it even in this day. Uh, Jude has one warning against false dreamers. Again, it's like the, the heresy coming in through dreams and saying there's a warning here. Don't listen to everything you hear. So that said, and the fact that um, you know, different ones have been walking through this. I, I would like to pray as a congregation and just say, God, if you desire us to dream in you, bring that to us. And help us to discern what are truly spiritual dreams and what aren't. You know, give us an insight as to what this would be. And beyond the dream... Bring interpretation to these things. It's interesting when, when Moses and Aaron and Miriam were having kind of a standoff, and Moses' siblings are going, who gave you the right to be boss? You know, you're the younger brother. And God makes a statement. He says, you know, 
A lot of spiritual people have dreams, but he's going, this is a guy that I talk to face to face. Shouldn't that mean something to you? You know, and so it's like, the dream isn't everything. And it's not the only way that God speaks. But it's something that we at least open the door to and say, I'm willing to listen here. And furthermore, when we are in the community, I think there's a need for us to be aware when people start talking about things and say, you know what, God, can, God is able to bring understanding here. You're freaked out by this dream? Let's pray that God would bring an insight. And as believers, let's allow our faith to grow enough that we would say, I think God would bring that that interpretation through me and and pray and ask for such a thing. And then the guts to share what we get. Because it's all, you know, those steps, right? Very unusual you shared that this morning. You know, because that's kind of an out there declaration, right? Some guy's dream about North Korea. That's just, I mean, that's past normal a long ways. That's past comfortable for a good share of us. Right? I mean, it's like, what is he talking about? I wish he wouldn't go into that area here. People are going to think we're nuts. I mean, how, those are normal feelings, right? So why is the timing of it today? Except maybe as a congregation, we have truly an opportunity to pray into something. And, and we have an interest in that place. And so why not pray to to that end. I mean, it's a good dream. It's the best possible situation. But why would we just dismiss it out of hand? Now, you know, if, if you get to a point and say, in the Lord, I truly believe that was just nuts, then you have the right to dismiss it, right? But if you don't get to that place, <laughs> then it's necessary to keep praying into it, I would suggest. And not just to dismiss it out of hand, saying, well, I don't, I don't like to go there. <laughs> it's a little beyond normal for me. There's always this challenge with our spirituality. He gave us a mind to think, but then he often goes way beyond that into things that get past our rational. And we have to then integrate the two together and say, God, what do you want to speak to me in this? Where do you want this to go? And we have a right to believe that he'll lead us in that. Lord, I pray, even as I prayed in our, with one in our group this last week, that you would give spiritual dreams. I pray that you would bring interpretations to us 
not just for ourselves, but for others as well. I pray that you would intervene for the blessing of North Korea. I pray that you would cause their people to flourish. We ask that their ruler's heart would be turned. If you could turn a Nebuchadnezzar who ruled all the known world of that day, you can turn a local ruler of a region. Be honored through our lives in all areas, we ask. Amen. Just a couple things to note. Um, in a way of God giving gifts, it's probably reasonable to think that he would give dreams to or even interpretation to particular ones in our group that might be getting a name for being able to to come to understanding of such things. And so let's pray that that would take place. Um, my wife has many more spiritual dreams than I do. Um, I, 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 just, I don't know why. It just, in our family, that's the way it works. Uh, I assume that in a larger group, that's the way it's going to work as well. But uh, how many here would say, I've had a spiritual dream? <laughs> Look around you, because I get to see... I, it's what? So it's time to, in a sense, embrace that and, and just say, this is one of the ways he speaks to us. One of the things that, you know, where this has taken me in a practical level, a lot of times I work things out by taking a nap. Um, if I'm struggling with an issue or even like uh, in regard to messages, one of the best things I can do at times is take like a 10-minute nap because I'll wake up with an answer and I don't know how it works. I don't have a clue, but I'm, I, I know the system. You know, you think I take naps just for the fun of it? No, 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 <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But it, it's, it's something I've grown to trust over time, you know, because it's so regular and, and it's like, well, that's just kind of like allowing God to take your, do it any way you want, just do it, you know. Let me, let me experience a part of this. So, anyway, I want to pray for God's blessing on you, um, upon you. What, what remains is open-ended worship, and then we'll go back. May your blessing rest on these, your people, and they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. We ask for dreams from you and interpretation as a part of the gifting of this group. As each one goes out into the community, I ask that you give them words of life to speak over others. I ask that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural, I pray. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen.